And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. We will spend the next hour, if not the next week, if not the next month, if not the next several months, trying to figure out what exactly went wrong as the Chiefs season came to a close with an AFC championship game loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. And I'm just going to, you know, I want to just float this out here right out of the gate, guys. I'm not going to say that the mob or any other big, important, you know, powerful group Maybe um, the Illuminati, I don't know, got to Patrick Mahomes at halftime. But if they would have, that would have been the result that I would have expected. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I, and certainly I don't want the mob or the Illuminati, or even worse, the Amabinati, which is what I call the combination of the two. The Amabinati. I don't want the Amabinati to get involved in this podcast. But if we found out later that that's what happened... I actually would be less surprised with what my eyes actually showed me yesterday. <laughs> um, and I'm supposed to adhere that, you know, um, you want to get to Darlene before Darlene gets to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just want to I want to say two quick things. Actually, three. One, thank you for pressing play. Oh thank, God! Yes, yes. Thank, thank, you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for pressing play. Um, I'm going. We are all together. Me, Josh, and Seth are going to try to be counselors, therapy, a therapist, um, perhaps a local pastor. Conspiracy We're, theorists will be mine. I've got a big thing of red yarn and some thumbtacks and a wall begging for some theories. No, no I, I just want to be a calming, reasonable. Just walk our audience through um, what occurred yesterday. Now, I, I, I just took a shower, so I already feel calm. That's good. I, rem- I, I, would, I, would, I would already, I would recommend our listeners, if you haven't taken a shower since Sunday night, you might want to do that. It just, just let that warm water soothe your soul. Also, I it's poured, the work week, people. Like, think of your office mates. Like, yeah, come on. Yeah, I poured I poured champagne over my head at twenty one to three, and I have mm. not showered since then, so I do still smell like stale champagne. So, the, sec- were made. the the second thing is, um, and I'm going to reference something that my father tells me every year. Oh man, this, we're getting a double episode of, of advice my dad gave me. This show is bleeps. Uh, uh, he tells he tells me this every year. Even though I know it's coming, it, it's always true. Um, the best part about football, to my father, Michael Taylor, is the is the fact that there are so many ways to win a football game. 
And yet, there are so many ways to lose. Mm. And lastly, um, I just want to remind everybody that this season, and I, and I wrote this in The Athletic, and I'm going to reference it later on when we get to this person. But as I wrote in The Athletic, what the Super Bowl told you last season was that it's a team sport. It's always going to be a team sport. It will forever be a team sport, which is why football is America's favorite pastime as of right now. It is, this is a ultimate team sport. And what Super Bowl 55 reminded the Chiefs is that they cannot rely solely on the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. That it was about the other 52 guys on the roster being better than they were the previous year. And in the ultimate team sport, they were not the best team on Sunday. Seth, what a, I'll give you a quote from my dad, and you can do your, your dad's quote, Seth. Sure. Um, ga- games are lost more than they're won. That was from my dad, mm. Eric the Enemy. Mm. <laughs> Seth, what did your dad say? Um, sorry, I was just watching that last play of the first half over and over and over again. Stop you know, it! You know, I think he could have. I think he could have just run to the right side and scored. Like I'm watching this, and if you pause it, so you know he turns left, looks at at Matthew. There is no one on the right side except a dude that's already being blocked by the tight end. He would have been in a race with a with a secondary player, but he, he you know what? He there was someone in between them, so I think. I think he could have run for a touchdown there. That's not what my dad said to me. <laughs> your, dad, your dad really rambled in that quote that you yeah. put in the newsletter. No, um, <laughs> I appreciate a lot of what Nate had to say there. This it really is a team sport. Um, so I think I think I already used this once before earlier this year, and what phase we were in. But my my dad told me a long time ago when he was talking about what it means to be a man and what it means to to be an adult and what it means to kind of go through life and how much more there is to it than than talent. He always viewed me as a talented guy. He was wrong, but that's okay. But, um, you know, it's the idea that, you know, uh, talent talent will get you there, but character will keep you there kind of I kind of talk. He, mm. he was always saying things like that. But he, he told me that there are, there were there are three stages of what people say regarding a disappointing life for a man. The first is he really has the potential to be something. The second is he'd really be something if he would just stop and then you insert there whatever it is that this person just keeps doing it. And the third and the saddest stage is he really could have been something. Now, when that was said to me, the point to me at the time was you are at that second stage. Um, my dad had some tough talks with me in my early twenties. Um, and so when I, when I used that quote earlier this year, the Kansas city chiefs, they were that team, this incredibly talented team that they were in that second stage during the middle of the year. They could really be something if they just get out of their own way. Stop turning the ball over. Stop turning the ball over. Stop dropping passes at the worst possible time. Win contested catches more often. That was a problem this year. On a side note, like a couple of the things, and we're going to talk about it, like the first drive of the second half, Travis Kelsey and Tiger Kill both dropped catchable passes. And you could say, oh, they had guys draped all over them. You know who caught the passes with guys draped all over them? The yep. Bengals receivers. Yep. And that's not, look, Kelsey and Hill would be the first to say, yeah, I got to catch that. They're great, great, great players. But man, for them back to back, drop those, crap, that hurt. And I remember when Kelsey's on third down, I was like, oh no, that's... 
Because, man, that's the difference of, you know, fresh set of downs at the midfield and snapping the universe back. But anyway, the Chiefs were in the second phase of that. And unfortunately, we've, 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 we've wound out the clock. Um, at a certain point, second chances end. At a certain point, you stop getting the opportunity to fix your mistakes. You stop getting the opportunity. Either the, the, the stakes become too high or people have tired of it, whatever. This is a life and football thing here. You, you, you eventually don't get any more second chances to alleviate something or to right a wrong. And the 20,021-22 Chiefs, they were a really, really good team that could have been a great one. And they, they, they knocked on the door of history. They had an opportunity to do it. And the only thing that stopped them, not to get anything away from a Bengals team that was feisty and never quit, but the Chiefs stopped themselves. The Bengals took advantage. They had a great game plan in the second half. They adjusted well. But the Chiefs still had multiple chances, and they just got in their own way. And I think that's why this one stings, because it's mostly self-inflicted. And it's all stuff that you could kind of see coming throughout the year as it went along. And it seemed like they'd fixed it. And then he saw some whiffs of it in week 17. And then, it, you know, they were just so much better than Pittsburgh. And Mahomes was so great against Buffalo. And on another tragic part of this, that game is going to get lost in history now. Yes. Yep. Well, that, actually, you know what? Can I, can I amend that? I had this thought last night. I actually think that game is going to stick around. It is going to taste very different to Chiefs fans, at least. Even if even if it does stick around, watching that game got a lot less fun, which sucks because that game was incredible. Yeah, I was I was hoping on that being one of the games that I rewatch when I'm in a bad mood for the rest of my life, which I think I still will because it was just so incredible. But here's the deal: this is all it takes is one week. My mentions on Twitter and look, let it out, guys. You know, whatever, it's okay. Um, you can vent is now filled with people asking if we need to start asking questions about Patrick Mahomes and like whether or not oh, that he's, can't be, that can't be happening. That right? is, that I have, be. I have had at least a dozen people say something, some version of, well, we're bad Jimmy G play away from them. Never being able to win the big one. You know, don't we at least need to wonder? And it's like, no, we don't. He played, he played a poor half of football and I haven't reviewed the all 22 yet. Uh, and I know we're going to talk about that, that last third down where he took a sack. Yeah, he had Kelsey and he had Pringle. I would yep. chart that. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not, I, any game that I chart, I look for missed shots. And Mahomes like never has them. Like never. He ch If he has one in a game, you're like, oh, that's a little unusual. If he has two, I don't remember the last time he had two. It was like against the Titans. And he just, he had Pringle and Kelsey at different points in that snap. And he was, I think, I could be wrong here, but I think he knew they were down three. And he was afraid to throw a pick. Mm -hmm. And Patrick Mahomes can't play that way. That just isn't who he is. And I think that that play is symbolic of what happened in that second half. He just was not, he was trying to play in a way that he just, that's just not who he is. We got to pick a place to start, right? And I think that that, I think <laughs> other that, than that sadness. other than just, just despair. Yeah. And that, <laughs> that play to me is not a bad place to start. Cause it does feel like a heck of a microcosm of, of what went wrong at some other places. But I, I had to text you guys earlier today as I was rewatching this clip, you know, laying in bed 400 times staring, alternating my eyes between nothing but my screen and the ceiling and back to my screen again <laughs> to try to figure out what the bleep happened. It is, mm. like you said, it is two missed shots, Seth. 
He also, they were rushing three until the spy came eventually after Mahomes drifted right towards him, like into him. He, this was not a play that needed to be hurried. I mean, obviously the, the coverage was a mess because you, you've got seven guys back there um, that, I mean, yeah, I'll make, I guess you can make it eight, really. Yeah, it's, it's, um, te- it's technically eight. One of the, them is one of yeah, them's at the five yard line. Yeah, one of them, one of them spying, which right. sort of helps the the middle linebacker because now he can sort of flow with Kelsey a little bit more than 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 in previous. But I mean, it's um, it's it's not, it's not great. And even if let's say that throw to Kelsey, which again, like. Pa- pa- I mean, and also pausing it in screenshots are not good ways of gauging if a play is open or not. Seth has taught us all that lesson many times. I was listening to that. But but pause it when Kelsey hits the goal line and and watch that route. And then you see there is space there that, that Patrick Mahomes has thrown the ball to Travis Kelsey with an iota of that space. Like just the, yep. like this is this is Travis Kelsey wide open in a, in a sense. Yeah. But then even once he scoots right. And the pressure comes from the spy, and you know that you know that ball's got to come out now because there's a dude 12 yards away that's breaking into a full sprint. Yep. Byron Pringle does the exact thing that they always talk about needing to do in this offense: stay alive, come back to the ball, follow Mahomes. He has him. I mean, he, he's there. The worst case scenario is that his momentum brings him past the goal line if he has yeah. to come back for the ball. But I mean, he yep. is right there, yep. and it's just, I mean, it's just a bad play. It just, yep. and then and then and then the game almost ends on it. By the way. Could have, could have never seen overtime if right. Joe Tooney isn't facing the right direction. Right, mm-hmm. and and, and oh. bigger picture, it's it's a play that serves a one that serves one route in my opinion. Mm. The more times I've watched it, there's really only one option for Mahomes, and it's Travis Kelsey. And so who reads the defense perfectly? Perfectly, he um, he he cuts and, behind the spy. Yes. Just at the perfect time. I mean, he he read it perfectly. And Mahomes, just ninety nine th- times out of a hundred, that ball is coming out. I'm watching it right now. That yeah. ball is coming out as Kelsey starts to cut at the two yard line. That yeah. ball's coming out, and it's over. It's yeah. over, and we're all calling him the Grim Reaper again this week. And it's an entirely different everything. But but regardless of the rest of the way the game played out. Yeah. In in addition to everything you've just said, Seth. There's only one option at the four-yard line. And they didn't run the ball because the Bengals anticipated throughout the entire second half and correctly guessed they don't want to run the ball. Yep. And you had timeouts at your disposal, which was different than the end of the first half, of course. Mm -hmm. And they chose not to go forward, straight ahead. Or... You know, as people have said before us, you know, you did the shovel pass to Kelsey to get the first down to get you closer. Um, but there's the underhand throws. There's 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 a there's, there could be more of an RPO element. Um, you could just line up in the I formation. Uh, just about everything was available to the playbook. So I understand. Hey, trust your Hall of Fame tight end. But if your quarterback misses him. There's no other options, and it's a little different. And I, I wonder if you fellas remember this, and I wonder if our listeners remember this from early in the season. It was made mostly as a joke, but it, there was some truth into this. But the idea that you play this like it's Madden, the the idea of we get in the red zone, 
or in the or goal to goal situations, the most condensed the field can possibly become. And we spent all this year thinking about two high safeties and preventing deep passes and not, you know, sort of forcing the issue and just trying to test the limits of patience, both from the play caller and the quarterback. And what I joked was, I just want to see somebody take everybody off the line of scrimmage. 11 men just in space. And the Cincinnati Bengals somehow, in halftime, like, tried this and it worked. Like, th- that, that three-man rush, that doesn't exist. That's just That's just there. They are basically trying to keep their lanes, trying to prevent him from running towards the outside, scrambling out, out of bounds, which is fine. And then they have eight guys just, just standing around. <laughs> and the, the quarterback, unfortunately, doesn't make a proper decision. Um, and I'm going to explain one of the easiest ones. Throw the ball to the fans. He had two opportunities, guys, to just sling the ball into row seven at the end of the first half and on third down. And he didn't do it. And the Bengals somehow won a game and credit to them for trying a strategy that I did on Madden when I was like 14. When you know the other teams passing the ball 99%. Yep. And that's where it becomes interesting. Um, it was, it, it's where you 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 come to where it's like okay, everything we know about modern football has to apply in every circumstance, and and we know that. Like you can't just throw out what it means, especially when you have Patrick Mahomes. We've talked about this a billion times. This season has been a weird one, though. And it was interesting to me during the game. I think it was Warren Sharp, who's who's a smart guy. I really like it. He, he was tweeting about how, you know, the Chiefs were blowing it by running the ball too much. And he was showing the uh, the yardage when they ran the ball, like using you know, like four yards, four yards, six yards, four yards, two yards, four yards, stuff like that. And I think he was trying to say that that was the reason the offense was struggling. But when you distill it into what was having success and what wasn't, uh, Brandon Kiley uh, tweeted about this. The Chiefs ran the ball six times for 34 yards in the second half prior to that final drive. They dropped back to pass the ball 12 times for a net of zero yards. Zero. And an interception. So over five possessions, dropped back 12 times, netted zero yards with a pick while running the ball for over five yards a pop. Now that's not like, oh, you have to run the ball more. But like there are times to consider things situationally. And and when they're dropping eight into coverage and you're winning by two scores. Yep. Like that's a time to say, okay. Let's see what happens. Just let's just see what happens with a drive or two. But I, I and I understand why Andy Reid wouldn't do that. You've got the best quarterback in the world, which he is, by the way, people. Like this isn't the fact that football is such a small sample size game occasionally drives me nuts because we've gone from one week of oh my gosh, we've never seen anything like this. This is to now people like oh man, but can you really count on it? I was like, of course, he had a bad half of football. Um, it's it's and it's and it's. You could say, um, hey, maybe the worst half of postseason football for Mahomes was the AFC Championship game in 2018, his first time on like that big a stage against Bill Belichick. In the oh, Patriots, yeah, that was worse. In the Patriots. I don't, well, well I, I don't know if it was actually worse 
than this, Seth, because <laughs> and, and I and I will let you be the judge, Josh. Yes, they scored no points in the first half against the Patriots. But the turnover on second and three, I <laughs> I just I don't know. I I, I can't I, I can't I, I think he I think he played worse in the second half yesterday than in the first half against the Patriots in eighteen. So here is here's my ruling on that. Uh, as like if if Steve Harvey can be a judge on TV, I, I would be willing to uh, to follow in those footsteps. By the way, Judge Stephen A. coming to like ESPN Plus soon. <laughs> does that, that does that exist yet? Because if not, it it actually should. Um, here's why this was worse. Patrick Mahomes' first AFC championship game against the greatest defensive mind that maybe football has ever seen, or at least from the head coaching position and, you know, a, a legit dynasty coming from presumably mostly the brain of Bill Belichick paired up with Tom Brady. That was sort of supposed to happen. And you got the feeling that in the second half, even though they didn't ultimately get all the way back because of overtime, they got back in regulation. The, the momentum was moving in the right direction. In terms of Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback, the Kansas City Chiefs offense, what that would look like if they got a rematch. We we might have said something along the lines of, you know, that was brutal. But, man, I'm, I'm ready for the next the next matchup between these two teams because I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to be rendered useless by Bill Belichick ever again. Right. Mm-hmm. We would have been right on that. In this case, the game was like. I mean, I, I checked the win probability, I guess. It felt like 95% wrapped. And the second half was just terrible football from, from a quarterback that never plays terrible football. I got 94.8%. So, yeah, that's about right. Um, and just looking at the ESPN win probability chart as a, a quick glance, this this game was ultimately a, a collapse and, and not a young quarterback trying to figure out his counter move or or Andy Reid, for that matter, trying to figure out his counter move to Bill Belichick. This was a team that had it losing it. And that felt worse to me. That's that makes sense. I, I'm from a pure like how badly someone got beaten by a defense and how badly they played overall. I would say that that first half was worse in the AFC Championship, but you make a really good point in terms of you know the flow of the game and stuff, and, and even the flow the flow of the of the franchise away for your season to end, right? Because like on, on a practical level, I, I won't fight you on that at all. But but on the the way that it sends you into the off season, I, I kind of felt like we were we were stepping in the right direction after the the Patriots AFC Championship loss, even though it, I'm sure retrospect in retrospect was not fun. It, it felt like we were moving in the right direction. This this felt like failing a test in a class you'd been acing all year. Like, not yeah. maybe not acing all year. That might be a little strong for some of the issues they had earlier. But no, they really my, it really does in terms of 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 all that. It, it definitely makes it worse. It's a, there's a reason why Andy Reid felt the need to say something about Mahomes at the press conference, which isn't fair. But when you remember that, like, you know, Bill Belichick got asked in 2014 if he was considering benching Tom Brady for Jimmy Garoppolo, and he said no, and then then swore under his breath or whatever it was. He's like, no. And he's like, God, Lord, people. that that, Those things are going to happen. I I think the way in which he was failing was just weird. Yeah. Um, And and it would be a mistake. And I I know we were talking about a little before we recorded, and I want to make sure we talk about it. To act as though it was just all Mahomes would obviously, that'd be a mistake. Because let's say, okay, so again, we'll go back to the first drive of the second half. 
First, he gives Tyreek Hill a ball that he could have caught. You can talk, oh, maybe the guy arrived a second early, but it was catchable on, on second and six. Third and six, he delivers a great ball, lofting over the top after a after a, yeah, a, after, a, after a, a mistake, dirted snap. Yeah, after a mistake from Creed Humphrey, who, by the way, doesn't, doesn't make those mistakes. doesn't make yeah. those mistakes. Yeah, Creed has been tremendous as a rookie, and Mahomes just flawlessly, seamlessly picks up the ball, still goes through his reads, and sees Kelsey and delivers a money shot over the top that he doesn't fire in because he can't because the coverage is great, but he lofts over the top and Kelsey got both hands on it, and he just didn't come down with it. He gets the ball. He, he catches that. We're remembering that as another one of those how in the world did he do that throws. Um, there there were I mean or crud the final Chiefs play of overtime. Mm-hmm. Oh man, people are gonna he'll mistimed his jump. Mm. He was coming down as the ball started to arrive, and that gave the safety who made a great play. Yeah, Jesse Bates. <laughs> Jesse Bates, phenomenal play, phenomenal play on the ball. If Hill jumps like a half second later, he arrives at the ball a split second with his hands before Bates does. Maybe he doesn't bring it down. Maybe he does. But that's a that's a contested ball situation that – and this is the kind of stuff that we've been defending Hill about for years because he's actually pretty good in those situations. But there's a ceiling to what he can do because of his you know ceiling, his height, <laughs> his, his hands, that kind of stuff. He, he really could have brought that down, and he didn't. And it was a good throw. It gave. It was. I mean, I it was, guess oh, it was his. It was his. Seth. It was his most accurate throw of the second half. Yeah, <laughs> it was between that or the throw to Kelsey, and that's one of the problems. Is when you've got a quarterback that's playing poorly, you can't afford to drop anything when he does make a great throw. And so that and the Kelsey, his two best throws of the half were both dropped. Now again, that I don't want to take anything away from the Bengals. They played really sticky coverage there, and the defenders made good plays. But again, if you're Kelsey and you're Hill. That's you, you gotta you gotta win one of those three. Yeah, uh, I, but, ideally two of them. And so it, we we want to make sure to not just place blame on Mahomes. But the thing is, they're just not built and refused to be built in a way that can overcome Mahomes struggling against a good team. And I would argue that they could have. And that's where some of the other errors come into play, like the tactical errors and that kind of stuff. Because and we we're starting to talk about that. The Bengals were daring them to run the ball, and they're actually really good at running the ball. And for one of the really rare times, this would have been a time to just say, you know what, let's just see what happens if we hand it off four or five times in a row. Yep. So um, I want to I sneak in on that real quick, if you don't mind, Nate, because I, 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 I let the running thing pass over last a uh, couple minutes ago. So when I, everything that you guys have said about that completely tracks. Whenever we talk about running the ball less, it's in neutral situations. Like that is where yes. that is where the NFL gets it wrong more yes. often than than anything else, right? Teams run the ball in neutral situations more often than they could. On the whole, it's actually trending in a better direction, whatever. <laughs> Three-man pass rushes are not neutral situations. We t- I remember I remember the Bills game from last year yeah. vividly in our conversation about like I remember going through your piece, Seth, and watching a linebacker's first step be backwards and being like, "Oh yeah, they should hand the ball off there." I don't understand the Chiefs' relationship with running the football. Like, I, I genuinely really don't because, you know, the offensive line, the way we talked about that rebuild this offseason was, of course, like, this is an offensive line built to to protect their most valuable investment. That is number one on the chart there. But also, they ended up with a, a few linemen that, that are uh, superb 
in in the run blocking game. And a guy like Orlando Brown, you know, it had a little bit of an on-ramp to get him into a place where him pass blocking for Patrick Mahomes was not a continuing concern. They they did. I'm not going to make the whole show about this. And I'm not going to talk about T. Higgins going one pick later. I'm not. I didn't mm. just now. You heard mm. wrong. Mm. But they do spend a first-round pick what? on Clyde edwards Lair. Didn't happen. Um, like, they, 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 they invest in the position there in a very major way, and then you yep. find great stuff from Jarek McKinnon late in this season, who actually is on, you know, a fantastic stretch through the playoffs, and they have a reason to run. Like, that should be their, their, their off-speed pitch, right, in this offense, but they have a reason to do it yesterday and don't. And if you want to just say bleep the running game, we'll do everything through through underhanded passes underneath and let Blake Bell sneak it. And our only running back that matters is Michael Burton. If you want to go that route, I guess, like, at least there's a philosophy there. But I genuinely don't understand. I don't understand how they have some of the, the, the organizational choices they, they make in certain situations and then have a game like yesterday where everybody sees like, oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of smaller dudes back there on this Bengals uh, on this Bengals secondary. I wonder what they should do with the football. Like, I I don't yeah. know. I mean, I, I'm genuinely it's asking a, if you guys have answers because I it, don't. It's a it's a it's a it is a challenge of patience. And of um, willing to do it the hard way, the less sexy way to actually zip your pants up and just, <laughs> just grind this, you know, get to, get to the nine to five, you know, you, you know, you yeah. can't, it's fascinating because when you have the quarterback, of course you want the zipper to just not be in use. Um, but at some point when the quarterback is struggling or not in rhythm or, the other team has made a correctable adjustment. And let me be very clear here. The Cincinnati Bengals won that game because of their defensive coaching staff, not their offensive coaching staff. As mm-hmm. much as Zach Taylor can smile and hold that trophy, the defense won them the game. Like, let's, you could do all the things about Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And give credit to Joe Mixon because with the game in his hands, he ran the ball very, very hard. He did then take the game out of his hands and throw it onto the grass. Well, that was a different thing. Well, I don't want to talk about that either. Well, I don't think he, he didn't. He didn't give himself up in the sliding sense. He did throw the football away. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Care. I can't. But, I don't, but it, I, that can't be the thing that keeps me up at night. It's it's the defensive coaching staff that won that yeah. won the Bengals the game. Um, yep. And so for me, it's a testament of them understanding who they were playing, actually using halftime to their advantage, which we as fans and analysts want teams to do. Like, hey, if you're going to have these 12 minutes without the game going on, do something with them. Um, hey, do you guys want to – can you guys do me a quick favor? And, Nate, can you say what you would have said to uh, to, to Patrick Mahomes uh, during the halftime show? Or during during halftime? Halftime? Um, yeah, you, you'll be Andy Reid to Patrick Mahomes. Seth, you go ahead and be Patrick Mahomes, Okay. And action. Let's get ready for the second Applebee's, half. Applebee's, Applebee's, fancy like Applebee's. <laughs> I love Applebee's. Everybody does, huh? <laughs> I don't know the lyrics to that song, but I don't care for it. I, uh, I just heard bougie like natty. And mm, I was I was like, mm. man, if, if that's someone trying to like, you know, put forth for... You're about to for, get canceled, for, Seth. For natty, right? <laughs> 
Am I about to get canceled? Yo, oh yeah. Walk. Are you kidding me? Did you see that one dude jamming the you, f out at Arrowhead? Your, your honor, your honor, your honor. What my client is trying to say here, and I'm going to speak on his behalf, is why, why it says bougie like Natty in the styrofoam. Why? <laughs> why? 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 Why are we talking about this, your honor? When we had a shanti. In the building. <laughs> I, and nobody I, turned their mic on. No, I'm just asking why would anyone drink Natty when Keystone is readily available? Like, oh, I'm man. just saying, what? I'm sorry, but anyway, please. Hold on, go I'm going to, lyric here, squeak, squeaking <laughs> in the truck bed all the way home. So this is obviously, this is a, sorry to get PG again here. Nate, Nate had us working blue last week. I believe this is a sexual innuendo. Mm. You should not be squeak, squeaking in the truck bed all the way home. That's, That's not extremely safe. Extremely dangerous. That's not safe. Extremely pull unsafe. Pull uh, over. Other people pull, are on the road too, you know. Yeah, uh, pull over or get home, but pick that one. Is, that's a worse decision than throwing the ball in bounds when there's <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let me let me ask a, a cancelable question. Does that song actually get anybody to unzip their their you know what's? Only, only in a moving car. Has that led to actual <laughs> Unzipability. Yeah. This isn't okay. This isn't. Let's be honest. This isn't Marvin Gaye. Okay. This isn't oh! like we're not like oh, we're not even the same solar no, system. No, we're not even like this is not. This is not. Anyway, I, we've, I've derailed us. That's my. But, no, that was our halftime. That was our halftime. That was our halftime show. And but I just look, needed us to do that bit. But look, but look, they they made a great adjustment. Hey, we can't get there. We only have. One above average pass rusher. His name's Trey Hendrickson, and he's been getting eaten by Orlando Brown. Oh my so, goodness! So we not just just stop pass rushing this man. Keep your mm-hmm. lane integrity. Be sound and disciplined. But we about to drop eight and pray to God that it throws him off, or that Andy Reid, who has a history over twenty three years in tight playoff games, he don't want to run the ball. He want to sling that thing. You, you, we are who we are to a certain point, and that's and that's the hard thing because Andy Reid is a great coach. He's a Hall of Fame coach. He's won a championship. He's gotten two franchises, two, to four straight conference championship games, and yet Jarek McKinnon was quietly the best player on offense in the second half, and he was readily available to be used in key situations. Second and three, I understand RPO. Hand the ball off. Just, or don't give the quarterback the decision. But that creates even more psychological issues, which I totally understand. But um, second and three, interception. Uh, There was a second and four. We just, we're just going to, we're just going to throw the ball. Uh, even though theoretically we have three more downs to get four yards. Um, here's, here's my thing, fellas. I am going to name just a handful of players. And this is why yet again, this is the ultimate team sport. So Mahomes didn't have his best game. We get it. Went from being, um, incredible to being subpar. All right. Let's see if I can get to one hand. Jarek McKinnon. Harrison Bucker, Willie Gay, Noah Gray before he got hurt. Blake Bell had a nice block I really noticed one time. I don't think he had a bad moment. 
And uh, Trey Smith, Trey Smith's block on that touchdown was awesome. Did he get beat later? Uh, sure, I'll give Trey Smith. There's five. I wa- I was I was I was a l- little bit thinking about Melvin Ingram. Um, yeah, but yeah. would be Jones if he could have finished on a couple. Well, and and here here we are, kid. That's the thing, and it would have been Travis Kelsey if that ball off his fingers would have. Yeah. That that's it. It it, it would have been X if Y, and yep. the if is the thing. So. Yep. Tyreek Hill, we've already uh, discussed his 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 you know mistakes or, or you know wish you had him back. Travis Kelsey, of course. Um, a stat from Mr. Aaron Ladd that literally blew my but, mind. But before you say this, I have to ask Seth if he did in fact see the tweet, and more importantly, my tweet. I I I don't know if I did. Oh my uh-uh. goodness! Okay. So okay, I'm looking up Josh right now. No, 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 it's okay. I'll no, read no, it to you. No, no, I'll read no, it to no, you. No, I'll, no look oh. away. Look away. Look away. Can I, okay. you, want, you want me to tell the stat first, Josh? And um, then you go. You know, I've almost got it here. I would actually like, because I would like for Seth to then guess what this is about. Um, But Aaron, I'm super close to getting it. Hold on. Boy, I've tweeted a lot. Yeah, Man, Aaron, it's a lot Aaron, of sad memes. Aaron Ladd from, uh, from Channel 41 here in Kansas yeah. City. Shout out Great to work. him. Big fan of Aaron Ladd. Here's, the, here's what I tweeted. I quote tweeted his tweet. And I'm a little disappointed that it apparently wasn't true because I thought this was funny. I tweeted, this tweet is going to summon Seth faster than someone asking if, if, if anyone knows any cold Nazarene lawyers who have thoughts on if they should have kids or not. <laughs> Which is about the fastest that I could think of anyone summoning Seth. Just threw over the wall like a Kool-Aid man. Sure, sure. What was the tweet, Nate? Um, in the entire postseason career of Chris Jones, which, I've been, which I now believe is 12 games, oh, no. he is yet to record a single solitary Mm-hmm. Sack. Yeah, he must suck. Let me tell you. Come, I knew, I man, I knew that Seth was gonna get defensive about it, and I don't want oh. Seth to get defensive, and I don't want Seth to fight Aaron. Now, I don't want to be in the middle of it. I now just, look, look, it's not are, Aaron's fault. It's not are, Aaron's fault. These are stats, and these are facts. And what is true is that he had multiple chances in yep. the second half to sack Joe Burrow. and he could not finish the job. Now, part of that is due to the moxie. Of Joe Burrow. And the other part of that is to Chris Jones's inability in his entire postseason career to this date to actually get a quarterback on the ground through his grasp. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm going to try to set up a bunch of things so Seth doesn't have to, and then Seth, you can talk about it. Here's here, Let me see if I can help out. One thing also is Burrow got rid of that football pretty quick, pretty frequently. But I said during the, the pregame show that I did that getting Joe Burrow, getting to Joe Burrow, we've seen, has not been enough. Pressure, he is, he is great under duress. Bringing him down, which the Titans did nine times last week, was going to be an enormous part of this game. And Melvin Ingram had their one sack. Sacking a quarterback is not the only way to affect him. Pressures and hits and hurries and all of those things do matter. Mm-hmm. That stat is also jarring to me. Mm-hmm. Seth, I tried to give you, I wanted to give you a little time, and I wanted to lay out some some prerequisites. Now you may go. Nah, he must just suck. There's no other answer to it. <laughs> no, no, I, no I'm that. just being, a, I'm just being a jerk. So I, I actually, I don't think I've worked much with Aaron. I'm sure Aaron's a good dude. Um. It's not Aaron's fault the way Chris Jones, in my opinion, and maybe, hey, maybe I'm just wrong about Chris Jones. You know what I mean? I've been wrong about things before, but in my opinion, the way Chris Jones gets talked about and covered quite honestly, and like the way fans talk about him, he, in my opinion, gets a harder time given to him than any elite player I can think of. Um... And so I tend to be pretty eye rolly with stuff, which isn't fair. Because, but you know, the the more the more the easier thing to say is, yeah, you're right. He didn't actually sack Jimmy Garoppolo in the Super Bowl, but he probably was more deserving of the MVP than anyone else. And so it's just those things are. That's what happens when you look at a stat and then you, you know, kind of run with it. And then you just say that because, you know, it's always like, well, if that, then what? I mean, that, 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 that to me, it's not really encompassing of the impact Jones has had on multiple playoff games. However, you're on the heels of a game where a couple times he had a shot at Burrow and he just couldn't finish. And, you know, is that just Burrow doing a great job? I don't know. It is. is. No, no, it is. You, you have like, you have to acknowledge both things. Joe Burrow has toughness and moxie that you can truly marvel at. And Chris Jones is an incredible athlete who has an ability to impact a football game in ways that very few defensive tackles have ever done in the history of the sport, particularly in the postseason. But also, he failed to finish his job. Right. 
And then it, it is, it just bothers me. And I get maybe why some of this, and it's not like Frank Clark doesn't get a lot of credit from the fans. I was just about to say, if you want to talk about Frank Clark yeah, people, apparently recording zero quarterback hits these playoffs, that would also yeah, be fine. I would make that's some where, like, that. where people, and hey, Clark during the middle of the season, we saw what the defense could look like with Ingram doing what he did all year. Good on Ingram. And then when Clark was playing his best football as a chief, the defense was scary. And then Clark vanished. And he, made he had a three. He had a three week stretch. I'm just using Pro Football References poll for for what a quarterback hit entails. But he had a, a three week stretch where he had eight, which came off the heels uh, quarterback hits. He had a uh, what a I'm going to try to see what the stretches here. Five sacks and 32 hits over seven or eight games, and then never had more than one quarterback hit in a game from any point after that Raiders blowout. The second right. And so here's the deal. And it's not like Clark didn't make a few really cool plays, uh, really good plays against the run, um, against both the Bills and the Bengals. But it, anytime people start talking to me about like, wow, you know, the Chiefs are dropping $40 million on the line. It's like, yeah, then let's talk about the one who's not consistently elite. Let's talk about the guy who's been below average. Like, but yet Jones seems to get lumped in there, even though he plays at an incredibly high level. So that's why I was being such a dink about that. That's not Aaron's fault, but it is. I mean, look, because Jones, he would say it too. He missed a couple sacks because those were some game changing plays too. One was a third down conversion that would have forced a punt. I think they scored at the end of that drive. Those things matter. And really when you're in a close game, all those mistakes. And I think I said this before we started courting, but you know what? I wonder how much of this would have mattered if Charvarius Ward had just tackled the running back. Oh. Like, because he had him, it probably would have been about third and five. And here's the funny thing. Charvarius Ward tackles really well. Mm-hmm. For his position, Con- yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for his position. He's not quite as good at as, as Sneed, but he's, he's a really good tackler. Him and Fenton both are. It's been a strength of the defense all year. Like even Mike Hughes, who who hasn't always been consistent in coverage, he hits hard and he's a good tackler. And so it's like, come on, because that right there, like the Bengals were were driving, but they were about to be in a third and medium to third and long situation and yep. said it was a touchdown now, on a big play. Nonetheless, yeah. maybe they hold them to a field goal. Maybe they get the ball back. There's just so much there. And then, I mean, and now really, let me just be clear. I'm not putting a lot of this game on the defense. Uh, I, I'm just not. Uh, they, uh, what can you do when, like, I mean, and now there's a lot you can do. But they held up. <laughs> they, held up <laughs> they held up their end of the bargain in the first half. They held them to three points. And then they had that horrible, gross, you know, big play given up. Ding. But what you're asking them to do <laughs> is to deal with drives ending this way on downs. Punt, punt, interception, punt, punt. You're supposed to hold a two-score lead with your offense not doing jack or squat against a really, really good opponent. They picked, they they forced two punts in a row to open the second half. And they, they, I mean, or they didn't force two punts in a row. My apologies. But they even, when the game got tied up, they picked the ball off. Yes. They gave them the ball back. Mahomes had the ball on the goal line to win. They got the ball first in overtime. This, like, to me, blaming the defense for this game, and I'm everything's going to involve some of both. You know what yes, I mean? Yes, and, and, and that's, that's what I'm ultimately getting at. It's like, it's not yeah. one or the other. Again, this is the ultimate team sport, which yeah. I, I think when you lose in the playoffs, it's it's one of the harshest reminders of, like, yes, you could pick one thing, but 
usually in a big in the in the whole picture it's a collection of a number of things both on on each side of the ball but but i but i understand look i understand exactly what seth is saying and, and josh you know this is true they scored 24 points in, in, in 60 minutes. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, you we all would have signed up for that. Yes. The Bing, you right. give the Bengals 24 points in regulation, everybody would sign up for that. Without And I thought this game was going to be a kind of a referendum, um, a spotlight. I thought this game was just as much about Steve Spagnuolo as it was his, his, his players, which is essentially what I wrote about leading up to the game. And I thought Spagnuolo did a very, very good job. Jamar Chase was kept in check. Uh, they were in position to make plays. And that's where it comes down to players, man. Players. So yep. at least Chiefs fans can acknowledge, or they should, or I'm encouraging them to, to acknowledge that like the coaching staff is good enough. Now, we've obviously criticized them not running the ball. Uh, and seeing a defense that really no one has showed them all year, which, again, credit to the Bengals, which is why they won the game. But on defense, I don't necessarily feel like for Chiefs fans that have been sort of lustful or, or thoughtful about the idea of changing coordinators, changing schemes, I don't know if that's necessary. It's about players. Chris Jones has to get home and 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 finish the job. Traveris Ward has to make a tackle or at least make a better attempt. Get your hands on him. Um mm-hmm. Daniel Sorensen, lest we not forget, God, you just—he can't be that wide open. He just yeah. can't. Um, and here's a play where I thought the game truly changed. Where I felt, oh, they may actually lose this game, and it was more about the defense than it was the offense for me. I believe it's third and six. I need to go through the play chart or the playlist again. Um. But it's it's the Bengals are deep in their own territory. This is when they score the 52-yard field goal to go up 24-21. They start the drive at their 20-yard line. It's third and six. And this is where players matter. And people have been complaining all year. And this, this is the one criticism for Steve Spagnuolo, at least right now. Because we knew based on their safety situation, they can't change that, kids. Like, they made the change. Like, Sorensen's out there. They have, they they are not going to choose Armani Watts for whatever reason. Whatever. Like, we've, we've known that since October. The thing that they could have changed that people have complained about is third and six, when Chris Jones does not get home, and Burrow scrambles, who's the nearest defender? It's Ben Neiman. It's not Willie Gay, and it's not it's not Nick Bolton, and either one of those players make that make that scramble, make that make that angle to the first down marker a lot more harder, di- more difficult. Because he had a ways to go, and to Jones's credit, hey Burrow wiggled free. That was a great play by Burrow, just an awesome play. Um, but I mean, he made him work for it, and he made him work towards the sideline too. Yes. And and they, so he had to take this angle, and it's just like you gotta you gotta close that angle. Burrow's a good athlete, but he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he, I mean that, a, that, that's what Tyre Matthew said after the game. Yeah, and that's that all matters. And, and and in the playoffs, and this is why we kind of 
I think the reason why Chiefs fans are so upset is because they were afraid of this all year, even mm-hmm. when the other shoe dropped, and or not even they were waiting for the other shoe to drop, even when they like won nine in a row, they were suddenly looking so much better. But they they saw this coming because those same mistakes and, and the problem is the margin for error just gets so much smaller in the playoffs. Like, yeah, sure, against the Steelers, you can make all kinds of mistakes, but you can't count on Mahomes being a demigod every game like he was against the Bills. Mm-hmm. Um and had Mahomes played like he did against the Bills, the Chiefs very, 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 very likely win the game by like twenty. Like, but they 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 aren't built right now to win in the playoffs and even weather like a half of mediocre play from Mahomes, and that's a little bit troubling. Mm-hmm. So and and that's something that they've got to at least look at and say, okay. What's what 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 can we do to to do better with that? And that's why the run game is something that we talk about a little bit. Not that I think they should become a team that runs the ball more. Good lord, no. But they should have. I think Josh, you referred to it as a changeup. Yeah. You, you they they have a line that's built wonderfully to be a changeup. Yeah. And you got to ask yourself, what are we going to do here? I wonder if it's going to be more of a strategic change where you're going to see fewer RPOs and more of a reliant on a little more traditional type stuff because I would argue that the RPOs started to hurt as much as they were helping this year in terms of limiting what the offense was doing. I just wanted to ask, this is not a facetious question, but you say they're not built to, you know, to weather even a bad half from Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs. I, I, I'm wondering, and there, I'm sure there are teams that you could pull an example of this. Like I'm really just thinking out loud, but like, how many teams are built to handle a bad half from their quarterback, which is, I think, maybe why I still continue to go back to that half from Mahomes and say, look, I mean, over-reliant, I guess, is one thing, but he played sure. some really poor football for 30 minutes, and I don't know that very many teams can overcome that from their quarterback. But even without even having to answer that question, like what what do they do differently to build in a safety net if something like that happens? Is, is it looking at, at the running game? Is there something else offensively? Did sure. they throw very many screens in this game? I don't remember very many, but... I don't either. Well, when they're sitting back like they were, that those screens don't really... They're not much Fair of an enough. option because guys that's, can that's, swarm. Yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, like, I mean, I would just say that um, it's not like Matthew Stafford played out of his mind. Yeah, fair. Against the Niners. And and the Niners won multiple games with Jimmy Garoppolo playing like crap. I mean, that's the just Niners the Niners would be a perfect exception to that. A perfect yeah. yes, and, and, and they, not they seem to win in spite of their quarterback. Yeah, they, yes. Yes. It's, God bless Kyle Shanahan, man. I so mean, they're unusual because you're never going to be a team. You're always going to rely on high level play from your quarterback to get to the Super Bowl, right. like ninety five percent of the time. That's just the truth. You just don't want to be you. You got to have a change up. I really, I'm going to steal that all off season. And so what that change up should be is. You, you you have a different way of running your offense to at least make it to where you can do some things that don't rely on Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey to be great. Maybe they're so great that you can almost rely on it, but the problem is no one's great 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. And when those guys aren't great 100% of the time this year, this is where, you know, you know what? You know what this game was? It was a game that could have really used Sammy Watkins. Mm. And just one or two really clutch catches, right? Just a couple of... Because this is one of those games where a couple of first downs change everything. Yeah, and this is the difference between what his talent... How he his talent could elevate the offense to historic levels and how 
there's a gap between that and and a combination of Byron Pringle and and McCole Hardman. That, and right, that's, and, and that's just a fact. Yep, and people view it the problem as it being with the ceiling of the offense. It's not. It's with the consistency of the offense. Yeah, correct. The ceiling is still just as high because Mahomes basically is the ceiling. Mm-hmm. But the the consistency matters, and so I'm really curious what they do this offseason because there are some holes with the defense that really need to be addressed, and that, they're probably going to have to make more to clear up some of the other ones. Like, not that yeah. Anthony Hitchens is uh, one of the two best linebackers on this team, but he's definitely three, and he's not going to be here. I can't imagine, right? Um, and, yeah. Well, and I was just going to add to your point, Seth. Um, mentally the playoffs drain you mentally like they they are the playoffs are is a mentally draining experience can confirm and so oh you meant for them when you play yeah. when you play the quarterback position at such a high level and we're in a more pass happy NFL than ever before um to your point about changeups you know what changeups do they give your quarterback a mental break yeah and the and the biggest problem was they gave him one snap on each drive to basically take a break up until yep. the, the we got to have some points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, they they If you run the ball twice, you have doubled the time that the quarterback can mentally take a break, refresh, refocus, hear the play call, be in perhaps a better situation, third and short, essentially, or a new set of downs, and he can... He he may not be as uptight or as frantic or, um, you know, just as inconsistent uh, or out of rhythm as he has shown. Now, you could say the exact – and the reason why I'm saying this, you could say the exact thing about Aaron Rodgers. Mentally, he knew, I can only trust Devontae Adams. Mm. But we're passing the ball in a snowstorm in Green Bay. Like, we're not right. running the ball even though that's what the circumstances may – call for running the ball more than usual. Um, you know, you can look at it throughout, you know, and that's what makes last week's game so magnificent because the amount of mental burden on Allen and Mahomes was just incredible. And they somehow operated at the highest of levels. But the playoffs are about um having changeups, having better chances to win in a multitude of ways, of course. Um and sometimes you got to give your quarterback a break. And so when you start the when you start overtime, and this is where it kind of leans in your point, Seth, about maybe more blame should be on the offense versus the defense. Hey, you won the coin toss, mm-hmm. so I thought you, it was over. You dictate where this could go because you're the one making the play calls, and the defense has to react to you. Now the defense has done a better job in the second half, and you need to give them credit, but. You had the ball to start overtime, and it's pass, pass, pass. Mm-hmm. And I just think, I just think. To, to, by the way, real quick, two throws to Demarcus Robinson. And by the way, on third and ten, one one of them that was a terrible throw. By yeah. the yeah. way, and 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 wildly enough, if you watch frame by frame and you slow that clicker down like I did, third and ten. When I asked Patrick after the game, it made complete sense. You give your guy a chance. It's a great ball. He was accurate. He yep. he went through great the throw. he went through the reads. You know who's yep. also you know who's open on the opposite side of the field on, I a, do. on a stop route. And if you hit him in if you hit him in stride with timing in rhythm, but mentally totally get we haven't really been connecting. 
Demarcus Robertson is open for a 12-yard gain to move the chains. Yep. But mentally, I get it. You've had more success, a higher ceiling with with the Hall of Fame receiver, not the NFL receiver who can help move the chains. Even though on third and 10 against that zone coverage, he was open for 12 yards. Yeah, I I will. I'm going to just throw this out because this is my smoke bomb. And then you guys can kind of fire off your final thoughts and we need to wrap things up. But like Sammy Watkins would be one thing. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. would have been really cool. An offseason talking about Juju Smith-Schuster and Andy Reid sending him Lombardi Trophy pictures to try to convince him to come to Kansas City. Um, I will say again, like just T. Higgins, who we just saw instead of instead of uh, a running back in the first round, and the, a guy that you have a chance to build some chemistry with over a couple of years if you invest in that position earlier. If Cornell Powell works out, right? Like I'm just I'm I'm, I'm trying to give you a variety of guys here, so it's not just me picking my favorite uh, sour grapes to chomp on. But the margins on some of this stuff can be so narrow. Where where Nate, like I think I think it's a great point to look at the mental exhaustion that comes with something like that and wanting to find the guys you know you're comfortable throwing the ball to Byron Pringle earning that over the course of the really the, this year especially or you get some big McCole Hardman uh catches that that you know do actually make an impact but whenever we have these stupid conversations in March and April and May and June about can Darius Fountain or or Josh Gordon you know <laughs> right right can, right can any of these guys be any sort of needle mover we really we get hyper focused on little things you mentioned jesse bates earlier and i remember talking about him <laughs> around the where draft. the chiefs ended up taking breland speaks yes like mm-hmm. breland speaks is out of yes. line for for a year and a half and jesse bates was right there like uh, not not every one of those critiques is a, is is something you can go back and and do uh right in, in retrospect and and nitpick at and you know like Brett Veach's draft class this year has a couple of of excellent picks on it and some other ones it'll be TBD but like we we do get so into the weeds on some of that stuff corners and and Mike Hughes who I think played one defensive snap over Bashad Breland who wasn't good this year in Minnesota again not just sour grapes but like just those little choices end up mattering so much the margin for errors are so small, and then when you have, whenever you do get to a point where Mahomes isn't going to carry the team over the finish line, and you you do need a collection of dudes to play either their best football or to find someone else to make a play or or some diamond in the rough that you have found. I mean, it's just it it comes down to a, a razor thin margin like that, which is also why I it, it it's it is why I I don't think it's silly to get worked up and, and really zoom in on unavoidable mistakes. Even things like, I think one of you guys mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, Andy Reid's burnt timeout before calling uh, the, the before throwing the challenge, the challenge flag. flag yeah. At yeah. the time, uh, Rudy walked into the studio and he said, that's probably not going to matter, but if that does end up mattering, I'm going to be insufferable or something to that extent. And would you look at that? It, it mattered. That, that was a procedural mistake that came back and bit you. Like, Again, small things, the details can end seasons. And the biggest thing should be, will be, must be that Patrick Mahomes played a, a horrible half of football, um, by at least by his standards, maybe by any standards. Mm-hmm. But also whenever you whenever you guys are making that point of not not in a place where they can win with a poor Patrick Mahomes performance, 
I all of those little things that we nitpick at do come to mind. Big big contracts for players that, you know, again, like like Frank Clark's uh, cap number has not been represented over his time in Kansas City. He makes a couple nice plays for you. You feel good about that. But if that money is spent differently or better or your draft picks are spent differently or better Mm -hmm. or your picks just work out, Mm -hmm. you're now getting that little extra margin that the Bengals found with an offensive line that is Swiss cheese. Like, we all Mm -hmm. agree on that. And they're in the Super Bowl right now. That they they made a switch, I believe, at the right guard position in the middle of the game. Yeah. Like, just... Because Chris Jones was good, Seth. And I do want... Yes. You don't know that I know that, and I want you to know that we all know that. I don't <laughs> hey, want that to be the takeaway here. Please, God, don't tweet Seth but hey, but about hey, Chris Jones. Could, you know, can he get a sack in the postseason? Legitimate question. Wild, wildly as I say it. I think the, uh, the margin for error part is going to matter, and I've got to hop off here in a second. Um, the margin for error thing is, is something to keep in mind. They were playing in the AFC Championship. The margin for error gets really small at this level. It's really, really hard. There's a reason there's like three teams in history that have made three Super Bowls yes. in a row. Yes. It's really, really, really hard to do. And so we're going to spend an offseason hearing Mahomes talked about in a way that probably isn't fair. And But that's just – that's it, it's fair in the sense that it's known, right? Like this is how it works, and everyone knows it, including Mahomes. Um, you know, it's going to be a half an off season of being unable to talk about being the reaper, being unable to talk about being petty because people will be like, well, you know, well, you sure couldn't, could you? You know what I mean? Like it's because this time it's not like in the Tampa Bay, the loss in the Super Bowl last year where it was widely regarded. Yeah, Mahomes played awesome and everything around him crumbled. This was partly on him and that's going to be a new experience for him. Yes. Now, do I think he'll come back and be awesome? Of course I do. Because everything we've seen from him is that he comes back and is more awesome constantly. So it's just a matter of the team understanding how hard this really is. You know, they, they won it all in his second year starting and they made it back the next year and only, you know, got defeated by some really weird circumstances in part as well as an awesome Tampa Bay team. This is a chance for them. Well, okay, this is going to be really hard. And we have got to figure out how to shrink our margins for error. We've got to figure out how to shrink some of those things to where Mahomes does not need to be awesome constantly, or he can have an off quarter, he can have an off half, and with an 18-point lead, we'll still be okay. You know, like he did play like he did play like a demigod for half the game. And in theory, that type of lead should be maybe enough to get it done. And you ought to be able to have some change-ups. So that's I'm excited to write about that this offseason, kind of some of the ways they can try to make sure that they shrink that margin or or grow that margin of error for themselves. Because one of it, there's going to be a lot of different arguments on how to do it. You know, they've already invested in the offensive line. Is it going to be completely retool the defense and try to up the talent there? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be, hey, draft wide receiver in the first round and grab a free agent and let's, you know, because that's another way to, to increase your margin for error is to have more talent and weapons that can turn bad plays into good ones. Even just one or two plays a game, we saw the difference that can make. And when we talk about like having like a healthy Sammy Watkins or someone, that could have been the difference in this game because just one or two plays, that's really all it takes. That's how small the margin for error becomes. So you know what though, guys? It's going to be all right, I think. So 
<laughs> I actually felt better before this episode. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, no, I actually did. I got a Pokemon they, game coming in the mail today. I was feeling pretty they, all right. I feel worse now. They are gonna be fine. They still have the best quarterback in the league. They still have a Hall of Fame coach. They still have a ton of talent. And it, I'm gonna leave Chiefs fans. I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna sign off. You guys do whatever you want. Um, We're doing another hour, Nate. Yeah, another hour. Last year, we were all feeling really horrible about the offensive line in one offseason. And that was before we knew that they were going to have to cut Mitch Schwartz, like Mm -hmm. before we knew all that, right? The Chiefs took their biggest weakness by a mile last season and turned it into a huge strength of their team this season. I have faith in them to, to be able to look at some similar issues that aren't even as bad as the line and turn them around. So that that's my that's my word of hope and I, I look forward in us in us following it this offseason. So I appreciate you guys. I appreciate the readers or the readers, ha, the listeners and uh we'll we'll chat soon. Appreciate it, Seth. Nate, I we're very close here to the end of the show for my for my money. So I I will uh I've made my piece as well. I'll let I'll let well, let me say this. I'll, I'll let me give a, a big picture season sort of sign off here, and then I'll let you actually specifically in the episode. Um, this season, by the way, was bonkers. Uh, I personally had a pretty buck wild six month stretch or so, and uh, the season ended in a way that wasn't particularly fun. But man, I am deeply deeply grateful for this show and everyone who listens to it um there are plenty of people who do not you know tweet in a lot and mm-hmm. uh, that, that we don't interact with if you're one of those people more of a lurker listening to the show i am that for a lot of podcasts so we appreciate you guys as well yeah people who do interact with this show on a regular basis through twitter and everything we i know i've already seen and heard some really nice things from people thanking us for the coverage over the course of this season this show is a blast to do genuinely um, I love doing this show with Seth and Nate. I love doing this show knowing that I can trust the listeners to be smart in terms of the football things we talk about mm-hmm. and to enjoy the stupid stuff that we <laughs> do on this show that makes it so much fun. Um, so I just I am uh, I'm incredibly grateful that that this show has uh, has persisted here and. I hope to. I don't know. I don't know when we're going to do our next episode. This is not me being like, and the show is over. Uh, I'm just very grateful looking back at, at this season that this show has been a continued part of it. We will, I mean, if there's news, we'll do a show. Yes. I think there's a pretty good chance we'll do another one sooner rather than later as just another sort of check in and maybe an off season sort of preview. Stay subscribed if you're not subscribed already in your podcast feed. Just subscribe. Search for Times Ours. It's available wherever you uh, you want to get your podcasts. And uh, if you're subscribed there, it'll hit your it'll hit your inbox whenever we pop out a new episode. But probably won't be too terribly long. And uh, I'm just very thankful for everyone who's been along for the ride. If it's been for many years or just the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um. I I second everything you just said, Josh. Uh. By the way, like maybe the. Maybe the first, maybe the next episode is is listeners just asking us whatever they want about the upcoming off season. Uh, just, I'd love that just to get us started before before yes, I have to grind through college football tape. God bless. <sighs> Not ready there yet. I will yeah. be playing. I will be playing the new Pokemon game for yeah. a little bit before Be- I start going yeah. to college film. Yeah, before I before I before I uh, hopefully I'm able to go to Indianapolis for for the combine. So. To wrap up Times R's 2021 season, um, I'm going to say two things. Uh, 
the reason it hurts is because everyone could envision at some point yesterday afternoon what the next two weeks were like. And I'm just going to take you inside journalism as one of the first two things, one of the last two things I'll say here. Inside journalism, um, editors start asking you, hey, what you going to work on for the next 13 days if they win? (laughs) And uh, one of those ideas, one of those stories I was going to write was about, hey, it's not really the Andy Reid offense anymore. And it was going to explain Airbnb's impact and how the players have ownership and how it's a a collaborative thing. Like, we should stop saying the Andy Reid offense, which, by the way, Stop saying it's the Andy Reid offense because it's it's more than just him. Um, I was going to write about, hey, here are the best 10 plays, you know, some round number, 8, 10, 12, of Patrick Mahomes actually showing improvement against too high, too high coverage. Um, I was going to write about Tyron Matthew and the idea that perhaps the final game of his contract would be Super Bowl 56. The idea that it could be the greatest free agent contract, which it might be already, in Chiefs history. The idea that Tyron Matthew would sign a three-year deal and the Chiefs would go to the Super Bowl all three years with him as their most important defensive player. Um, And look, I was going to write about the idea that no matter what happens in the Super Bowl with the Chiefs in it, it was guaranteed to be a masterpiece. Because when Patrick Mahomes plays a football game in Los Angeles insane mm-hmm. things have happened mm-hmm. and i was gonna write about chris jones and maybe i would have looked up the stats and been huh maybe he's never had a sack in his postseason career but his season was one of the more interesting throughout the entire sub you know one of the more interesting subplots of the entire year including andrew wiley which the story of that would have been how the hell did andrew wiley get this good as a tackle mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen because of sunday's outcome you will read none of those stories on theathletic.com. Those stories are kind of like what they do with those t-shirts when you don't win the Super Bowl. And lastly, support some poor kids in some other country are going to get to read your great stories about, <laughs> about Tyron Matthew going to three straight Super Bowls. And lastly, this is why sports is great. Mm. The way you feel right now is why sports is one of the greatest things on this earth. You've, you know, when this podcast began, we had no idea the Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl in 2019, but we took you through that experience. And last year, we took you through the experience of why why it's so great to be a champion, the feeling of it, and trying to prove yet again that, 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 that maybe the Chiefs could be a dynasty. And the way you feel last night, And today is why sports is great, because similar to Travis Kelsey's mom, you can have the lowest lows and the highest highs and the elation and the deflation. Um, This is why sports is great. And I just want to shout out one listener who's been with us a long time, um, Miss Sammy Fetzer. Fetzer, I hope I'm saying that right. Um... She, she, she sent us a lovely tweet, Josh. I'm sure you saw it. At 7.25 last night, just looking forward to crying with Seth, Nate, and Josh on Times of Ours this week. Let it out, Sammy. This is why sports are great.